I know. Oh, this is really cool. I feel like we should all be sitting in a circle, kind of like, that's what I feel like anyway. Just uh, having that, that family feel, and it is really, really good to be with you. Super excited. Uh, yesterday flew in uh, to, uh, to SeaTac and uh, just have had a great time just kind of recouping from the vacation that we've been on. Yeah, we are really having a great time. Uh, Lisa and the kids, they all have just shout outs to everybody. Just want to tell you how much they love you, how much they miss you. Uh, she's not here. Trinity wanted to say a special hello. She's like, say hello to Miss Emma for me. You missed it, Emma. You had your opportunity to get a shout out from Trinity. Yeah. So everybody's a, a darker shade of something down there. They have this thing called sunshine down south. And I know we're not really familiar with that all that much up here. I've heard the weather's been pretty good, though. Excellent. That's great. Last week, uh, Rand did a phenomenal job. I've heard. I haven't listened to the to the uh, podcast yet, but I heard that was great. And so I'm very grateful for him and the other teams that have been going. I don't I don't feel like we're having people fill in anymore. We're just kind of moving forward, you know, and going Justin Loman on worship and has been leading us and whatnot. So thank you very, very much. Uh I just some funny stuff, but it's been, you know, at home we have different rooms and bathrooms and all that. But when we're staying with Lisa's parents, we all share one bathroom. Gets a little crammed. I'm looking at all the the equipment. I, I didn't realize women had that much equipment. We've got more paint in our bathroom than I think Home Depot has. There is... Just piles of it all over. You got stuff on the floor, and but they do look beautiful. Uh, had an opportunity to go sailing out on San Francisco Bay, and that has been super cool. Did kind of maiden voyage. Some of you may or may not know, but you now have a friend who has a boat. Yeah, you always want to have. You don't ever want to own a boat yourself. You always want to have a friend who has a boat. Now you have a friend who has a boat. No, uh, Matthew Holiday. He's uh, got a small boat business with his boys, and so he's been trying to get me connected with the waves and the the wind for a while now, and it finally happened. So that was really fun. Yep. Well, let's get into some things here. The thing, there's as I've been praying into this, praying into this starting several weeks ago, just really asking the Lord, what what is the word? You know, to come back here from vacation, hit right in the middle of July, and what are what do you want to say to us? And uh, there were a number of things, but they were things that were very familiar uh, to us, and. I began to think about companies and organizations. And basically, on a, on a quarterly basis, uh, companies and organizations will produce a fiscal report. 
they'll produce a, a report that just basically gives their bottom line. It says, this is where we're at. This is kind of our status update for all of our stockholders and investors and different ones who have an interest in the company. And they make a public declaration that way. Uh, those of you who, uh, you know, you experience performance evaluations in, on the job place and you meet with your supervisor or your boss and they talk to you about how you're doing. They give you an update. They give you feedback. And those things are helpful. Some people, to get a, that gets a little nerve-wracking. Some of you are starting to sweat right now a little bit because you're thinking maybe of an evaluation that's coming up here and you're not sure how it's going to roll. But those things are really important. If you're a student, all of us have probably been students at one time or another, and you get performance evaluations called exams. And that's helpful feedback. Some people hate those things, but that's called normal life. And that's what I heard the Lord for us, not in a performance way necessarily, but we need to understand that the leader of our movement, as we've been calling him, Jesus Christ, that he has made an investment in us. The generations have made an investment in us. Pastor Hammond has made an investment in us. Pastor Norm and the eldership of Christ Church Crookland has made an investment in us. And God, in particular, expects a return on the investment that He has made on us. When He puts His Son Jesus into us by His Holy Spirit, He expects a return on that investment. Because that investment was costly. We kind of throw around, you know, and we, it just kind of blows right past us. When we start talking about, you know, Jesus and the sacrifice that he made and the cross of Christ and how he died for, for us, to, that we would be free from sin and the wages of sin, which is the due penalty that we all deserve apart from Jesus, which is death. And we've heard that so many times before that it just becomes familiar. And that familiarity can rob us. can rob us, steal from us. And that's exactly what a negative familiarity is designed to do, is to rob us of the power of that whole idea. We can become familiar on the job. A number of you talked about that last week. You tag team with Rand. I know, Lauren, you got up and you shared some things and different ones. Familiarity can rob us of the purpose of why we're in the place that we're in. Familiarity with our surroundings in our neighborhoods, in our cities, the places that we drive and the places that we shop all the time. We can get robbed and become familiar in a negative sense to what is my purpose? What's my calling? Why am I here? So when we sit down with our boss, it helps us bring us back to reality. Oh yeah, okay, oh, alright. You know, we kind of sit up a little straighter and we think a little bit, you know, maybe clearer. The fog rolls away and we're like, okay, I'm, it's on. Let's do this. I'm ready to go. Are we meeting our goals as Christchurch North Shore in terms of God's call on us as a people. We can kind of tend to plow through week after week after week 
and just kind of go, is, is spiritual growth really measurable? Eh, it's just kind of vague. Can we really, I mean, we can measure every quarter a company is able to measure or an organization is able to measure their bottom line. You either have it or you don't have it. I thought of a number of different titles for this message. We'll have to figure out which one we're going to land on. One of them was reality check. Reality check. Or the power of remembering. The power of review. Can you hear me now? That was another one I thought of. Or (laughs) do you remember now? Last one I thought of was well done, good and faithful servant. I like that one a lot. We all like that one a lot. But there are conditions to that. There are conditions to, for one, being able to hear those words at the end of the race. Holy Spirit, we're coming to You and we're asking You to help us see what only we can see with You. Would You come and evaluate? Review with us where we're at in relationship to Your goals, both personally and corporately. Amen. We want to hit the mark, don't we? I want to hit the mark as a husband. It was my desire to hit the mark as a single person. I remember my dad saying to me, you know, in the few years before I was married, and, you know, Lisa wasn't even in the picture at all, and, and uh, he's just saying, Eric, you have an opportunity right now. You have an opportunity right now. And Paul talks about it very openly and candidly. It's like, hey, a single person, you don't have the cares and the responsibilities of having to care for your spouse and meet their needs and different things like that. You have an opportunity right now, he would say, man, to give everything that you've got because you'll never have this same opportunity again. There is power in singlehood. The power in undistracted devotion, which of course never ends even after we get married. So we just passed July 10th, our four-month mark. That's our quarter right there. First quarter. Cha-ching. There you go. <laughs> As a church plant. And I would much rather pause and take a few moments to evaluate what we've heard than to go on hearing more but remain relatively unchanged by it. See, I think the Holy Spirit wants to come and rearrange the way that we approach church in terms of this gathering together. Because if we are the church and not just going to church, then that is very, very different in terms of how we respond. 
because we will begin to measure success based upon how much of the truth we have applied and walked out in our lives versus how much we've heard. In many ways, church today is about coming and hearing a new thing every week with a different twist, a different pizzazz, a different flair to it. We go away and we, you know, it feels good and it's like, oh, that was a good message. And, but really, the way that we must measure success, it's only a good message if it becomes worked out in our lives. That's the only way that it's good. Now, the truth is good in and of itself, but the issue is, was it good in us? That's how we must measure success. Have we taken what we've been given? They say that most people, depending on what church you are a part of, in the first year or so of, of being in that church, you receive or hear more truth than you could ever apply effectively in your entire life. So you got one-fourth already. But you see, most of you guys have been sitting here in, in a seat like this, listening to messages over and over again. And we know that they have an impact on us. We know that those seeds go in. And they do eventually bear fruit if we cultivate those things. But that's the condition. Remember we talked about the truth? You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Is that a true statement? No, it isn't. Jesus never said that you would know the truth or that by hearing the truth, that the truth would set you free. It's okay, Kenny, you missed that one, but you can get the, you can listen to the podcast. (laughs) No, there were conditions. We have to read the whole thing in context. And Jesus said, if you will obediently follow me, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But merely hearing the truth doesn't do anything for anyone. I wish it were that easy, but you know what? A lot of Christians today, they're showing up for a church service and they're walking away and the truth just falls off. It stays in the seat with them and it doesn't get applied to their life. And as a result, they're not changing. They come and they hear the word of God preached to them out of the Bible But then they never go and actually explore and discover and dig into the Word of God themselves. And they have the answers to all of life's issues and problems. Because again, this is the owner's manual. Right here, the Word of God is the owner's manual. This is the miracle book. Or series of books. Over 40 different authors. And they all somehow came up with the same story. That is a miracle. Over 1,500 years of writing. Different backgrounds, different cultures. And they all came up with the same story. The danger that we face 
And I'm telling you what, I, I grew up on the pew, born on it. <laughs> Literally almost. My father, you know, growing up as a pastor's kid and hearing messages over and over again before I even understood anything that I was really hearing. And the disillusionment can sink in and get, begin to produce a lot of questions. I want you to listen to this. Go to J- James chapter 1, verse 21. We're going to read a paragraph. Verse 21. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. And humbly accept the message that God has planted in your hearts. For it is strong enough to save your souls. Now we're in a letter that James is writing to, I think, the church at Ephesus. James is a, he's a pretty big dog. He's the head honcho at Jerusalem. He was the the main apostle there. You see in Acts, you see Peter and Paul deferring to him in the council there at Jerusalem. James is the half-brother of Jesus. But here's the deal. James struggled with some things. One being believing that Jesus was the Son of God. See the negative way that familiarity works? James grew up with Jesus all his life. And then he would eventually become one of the followers. But even in our relationships with one another, that familiarity can come in and begin to rob us from seeing one another for who Jesus would call us to really see. But he begins to write these things and he says, you guys, don't forget the message that God has planted in your hearts. It's strong. Why is he saying for them to not forget or humbly accept the message? Because in our pride, we can reject certain things. I got that. I, I got that. I've heard this before. Uh, right? Great. Have we, maybe we've heard it. Are we doing it? Facebook status. I'm going to write this this really cool scripture that I found the other day. How about people stop posting scriptures and start posting about how that scripture has impacted their life and how they've begun to walk that scripture out? Being a testimony of the power of God's word in other people? I'm not knocking posting scripture. That's, that's totally fine. You understand where we're getting at though? It's because we have a tendency, it just numbs us. We think because we've heard it or we've seen it or we've read it, That it's actually going deep. That it's making an impact. Verse 22. And remember. There it is. Say remember. Remember. And remember. It is a message to. What? Can we have the next one, John? Next verse. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget 
what you look like. You ever done that before? Walk, walking along, look in the mirror, walk past, you're like, do a double take, go back. Seriously, I look like that? But he says, you see yourself, you walk away and you forget what you like. That's like the person who hears something and they just walk away and it's like, oh, that was good. That was nice. That is acceptable for people who just attend church. But for people who have a revelation that they are the church, that can't happen. We can't be that. Hello, I am preaching to myself. And I'm the one preaching these things. And I still go away and I forget. I forget who I am. I forget whose I am. Next part. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. That word bless right there is so powerful. That's not just this little, oh, it'll be good for you. It'll, it'll go nice. That blessing is the same blessing in Matthew 5 that Jesus talks about. Blessed are the blessed are that that's an indwelling blessing you will be blessed with the indwelling person of jesus christ and you can only receive that blessing as a result of having jesus in you living through you powerful powerful stuff as pastor of this church i am much less concerned about the quantity of truth we are receiving and more concerned about the quality of truth that we are applying. I, I'm, do you see how thick this Bible is? We're not making these statements as a result of a lack of content to be able to be preached. What if we just preached the same message over and over and over and over again, week after week after week, until we actually started to see change and growth? And I, I'm, I'm not saying this as a condemnation. That You don't hear this as, it's, hear it as an evaluation. Let Holy Spirit come and evaluate. He's the only one that's doing this. So please don't hear anything that I'm saying as a result of something that I've seen or observed. It's just we want to be proactive in the way that we're responding to truth. Take an opportunity. Look at Revelation 2 and 3. I just want to touch on something just briefly. If you're wondering if evaluations really take place in the Word, if God really does that type of thing, sounds maybe a little bit harsh for God to maybe do those things. But listen, He goes through chapter 3, and He goes through a number of different churches, and He gives them a performance review. Listen to some of this. 
Write this letter to the angel of the church at Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. That would be Jesus. He says, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've, you have examined the claims of those who say they're apostles but are not. And blah, blah, blah. Verse 4. But I have this complaint against you. Okay? Jesus is about to throw some junk up on him. Okay? He says this, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. Scathing remarks. Look how far you've fallen from your first love. Turn back to me again and work as you did at first. He's talking to the church. So we're not talking about, you might think, well, Jesus is really into works and performance. No, this is not works trying to attain salvation. This is about works from the point of salvation. Things that He assumes we would just love to do as a result of what He's done for us. And that's why we can't forget. We have to remember. Why do we come together week after week? To remember. What would have happened if the children of Israel had remembered? I don't know the exact number, but it's, 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 you know, time and time again, the evaluation of God with the, His own people was, you have forgotten. And the children of Israel forgot what God had done for them. And they forgot again. And they forgot again. And then the king forgot. What if they had remembered? Why did Moses take all of Deuteronomy? Nothing happened in Deuteronomy. That was a huge sit-down. Everybody park it in the desert. We're going to review again and again and again what God has done. And He went over the Ten Commandments. And He went through all the different stuff that He had already done. It's like this redundancy with God. It's like, yeah, we get it, we get it. Did they get it? They didn't get it. As a result, they went around the horn 40 years. Come on, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that to the point of tears. I do not want to do that. But we will be a people who do that if we do not obediently follow our King and our Master. Come on. The church today is going around and around. I'm talking about the church at large in the, in the Western world in many ways is going around and around and around and around. And we know that as Christians, we have not been faithfully applying the truth of the Word of God in our lives because our United States in specific would not be in the condition that we are in had Christians done that. Jesus is the answer. But it's through His church. And that's the way He chooses to do things. Over the last few months since our inception as a new church, we've focused a number of different points of emphasis, all hinging on this overarching identity and mission statement. Love God and love people. So simple and yet so profound. 
uh, not just a nice slogan, but if actually really applied, if thought about, if, if meditated on on a continual basis, will produce lasting and super cool fruit in your life. Jesus was the friend of sinners. He was known for outrageous love. The kind of stuff that ticked church folk off. He made them mad. I mean, come on. You've never seen church folk this mad. Picking up rock. I mean, ready to kill him. Who knows? I might be in the pulpit someday when that happens. He mingled with the least, the insignificant, the broken, the diseased, the homeless, as Tyson and Elsa were talking about, with the abandoned, like different ones in our church who have taken foster children in, different ones who have adopted. The wrecked, regardless of their color, their ethnicity, economic status, their gender. He had quite a reputation. Accused of being a drunk because of the people that he hung out with. A traitor because he hung out with tax collectors who were turncoats working for the Roman oppressor. The outcast and the ostracized, they were drawn to him. He had this amazing ability to just make people who didn't fit in with anybody else, they fit in with Him. He could reach them. Jesus said, I've come to save that which was lost. What's our reputation? What is my reputation? I don't have that reputation. My reputation's squeaky clean. Should it be? Do I have this idea in my mind that I just, I'm clean as long as I hang out with squeaky clean people? We all know we're not squeaky clean, right? Unfortunately, we give off that vibe sometimes to people who know they're not squeaky clean. They're not clean at all. And we, we put off this vibe where we can't really lower ourselves to their level. What is our reputation, does it look like the one that we claim to follow? Has anybody questioned your motives lately? 
Jesus had that all the time. What are you doing hanging out with this scum, the bottom of the barrel? What are you thinking? These guys are slime. He blurred the lines. And it wasn't that he was trying to do this just to mess with the church people. He was doing this because love drove him. It was love that got messy. This is the creed of the family of God. Love God, love people. That's what Jesus boiled it all down to, Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one's just like it. Those are Jesus' words. Just like it. Love people. And by doing so, as John talks about later on in his epistles, his letters, he says, in doing so, you'll prove that you love God. Because without it, you can't say that you love God. We're a people who are called to reach. That's us. Not because we're North Shore, because we're part of the family of God. Called to reach. Reach. To reach that one who's unreached. Sorry, you're allowing, uh, you're kind of getting into a little personal moment for me because, you know, I think one of the things that motivates me to reach is to feel good about myself as a Christian. You know, and I know we all want our motivation to be pure. And if love is at the point, the, at the forefront that's pure. People never felt any of that funky stuff with Jesus. His stuff was so legit. His stuff was so real. To touch the untouched. It's so hard. Man, people stink. They smell bad. They look nasty. I can see the people cringing as Jesus was reaching down. He knelt down, reached out to touch this guy who's like his skin is rotting off of his bones. This leprous dude who nobody would go, nobody would even hang. Nobody would ha have anything to do with him. 
Not only that, but you know, remember they believed that this guy had serious spiritual issues. He was in serious sin because he, that's why he had this disease in the first place. This was only a physical manifestation of what's really going on in his heart. That was their view. think, you know, our thinking, at least mine is anyway, is I wasn't that dirty. I wasn't that funky when Jesus saved me. So I'm cleaner than that. For God so loved the world that He gave one of the most powerful things that we can become as a people to shine with the love of Christ is to become a people who give. We say give and most of us probably go immediately to dollar signs. I don't remember any examples of Jesus giving people money, but hey, let's do it. To give to people who are in need. The church after Jesus, they would meet many of the physical needs of the people around them. Never knowing if they would ever have an opportunity to give to them spiritually. They just gave selflessly in hopes that Jesus would have an inroad into their life. That His love would make a way for them to know the one who they had come to know. There's something that happens I was going to go into and in reviewing a lot of different things, you know, you know, why do we celebrate Passover? Why do we celebrate Pentecost? Why did we do a Seder? You know, a Passover Seder? Why did we why did Jesus, why did God command his people to review those things every year, to celebrate all these festivals and feasts and, and all that? Because every year they would forget why and they had to be reminded why. And we could go back into wired for worship and that we become like that which we behold. Did anything stick in all that? Do we live consciously understanding that what we love, what we give our elements of worship, which were what? Time? What? Affection, energy, thoughts, just all those things. Whatever we give our time and energy and worship too, it's what we become. We give it power in our lives. Did you get any takeaways from that? Did that change anything? Understanding that the truth only sets you free if we are obedient followers of Jesus. Feeding on Him and His Word. Has the owner's manual changed you at all? What's been the level of transformation in your life as a result of your own personal study of God's Word over the last quarter? 
Can you measure success in that way? Have you grown closer to Christ? Has your love increased for Him? Some of us have been walking with Jesus, have been uh, you know, born again at some point 20, 30, 40 years ago. Some are just brand new. A couple months. And wherever you are, some of you are struggling with questions. Struggling with doubt. Like even about Jesus Himself. Let's remember as well that that was a prerequisite for anybody in the first church. All Jesus' disciples, remember we review, we talked about how, how they struggled so much believing Him. And is He really John the Baptist, His own cousin, who was in prison, He was about to die, and He sends word to Jesus, are you really the guy? This isn't going down the way I thought it was going to go down. Peter denies Jesus three times. At Jesus' most vulnerable point. So you know what? The fact that we have questions, not a problem at all. It didn't phase Jesus at all. So don't let that concern you because it doesn't concern Christ. I hope that sets your heart at ease. But don't settle. Don't stay there. Press in. Press into His Word. Press into that owner's manual and and let Holy Spirit teach you. Writer after writer after writer in the Word of God, in the Bible, talks about how Holy Spirit will do the work. That's where the greatest level of discipleship is. The goal is not for us to become dependent upon a person, for us to become dependent upon Jesus. Those who are helping us along the way in what we call disciplers are just those to help open up God's Word and teach us how to follow Him more effectively based upon the life that they've lived. Let me wrap things up here with a couple questions. What has changed since March? These are all things to take away. Is my life changed as a result of truth? Am I pretty much the same? What are we doing with what have we been given? Are we putting it into practice? Am I walking in the power of the Holy Spirit in a new way? Am I growing in Christ's love for those who don't know Him yet? Am I learning more and more this new spiritual language that God has given me to help me build myself in my most holy faith? Is my study of God's Word growing? 
is conviction of sin increasing in my life. That's one of the confessions of the saints of old, those that we read about and we look at and we just like, wow, these guys were the great ones, you know. I've heard, I've heard it said and, and read this, Mother Teresa. You know, it's like, what a saint. It's just amazing, totally selfless, all that. And you think, wow, she's so close to God. And time and time again, you hear people say, the closer I get to God or that people perceive me to be to God, the more uh, conviction of sin in my life, that increases. Because God, we're becoming more like Jesus, more Christ-like. Is humility increasing? Is my marriage growing in love? Am I growing in conflict resolution? Am I becoming more selfless? Am I growing in undistracted devotion? Or growing in distraction. Am I growing in my fathering? My mothering? Am I learning to be led by Holy Spirit more? What if we remembered more often? What if we reviewed more often? What if we had a Holy Spirit able to sit down with us and give us a performance review? To give us feedback. To help us see the things that we couldn't see. Sometimes it's really hard to hear from people. But you know what? Holy Spirit has been trying to speak to us. I find that He usually has to only bring it one-on-one with me when I've been unwilling to listen to Lisa. <laughs> I've been unwilling to listen to Him through my kids. That's the tough stuff. You know, I tell my kids, if you guys would just discipline yourself, I don't have to discipline you. If you would just follow Holy Spirit, then I don't have to bring down, I don't have to be the hard guy, the bad guy. Prayer. You know, I don't know too many people who are just like, oh, I really love to just pray hours upon hours just on my face. Puddle of tears right there in front of me. But here's the thing. Nothing can be sustained without prayer. Prayer walking. Did we remember about that? Prayer walking. Your city. Your neighborhood. It's a great way to get some exercise and then just pray your guts out. Your city. Your neighborhood. There's a reason why you're there. David was a man who fulfilled the purposes of God in his generation. Well, there was a reason. He was a man who was flawed, all kinds of, you know, he had issues for sure. But he fulfilled the purposes of God in his generation. Paul said that he ran the race. He finished the race that God had given him. Did we leave it all on the field? I love that statement. I love the statement from Saving Private Ryan at the end. We've said this before. Make this worth it. The sacrifice that's been made. The sacrifice that's gone before us. Do we keep in mind the sacrifices of those who have gone before us? 
tireless effort and dependency upon God that those are our, our forefathers who have gone before us who have paid a heavy price so that we could be here and so that we could take truth and also apply it. You see, that's what the great cloud of witnesses. These people who have gone ahead, they've died already. They're in heaven. They're cheering us on. They're cheering us on to take the truth. They're not saying, hear the truth again. Listen to it again. Isn't it awesome? Doesn't it make you feel... No, they're saying, take it and run with it. If we don't have a baton of truth in hand, then we need to go back and get the stuff that we've already been given and then go forward and run with it. We want to hear at the end of the race, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. And just like it was said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Prior to that is the obedient following of Jesus. And the condition on good and faithful servant being able to receive that is actually, it says, well, what? Done? What's that in half? Do. Doing. Taking what we've been given and doing something with it. Doing what Holy Spirit has called us to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, stand up. You have received your quarterly review. Your performance feedback. I'll let you evaluate how you did. Where you're at. The amazing thing is, is that God calls us to these things. He calls us to great things. He expects a return on His investment. Not one of us should be walking out of here right now with our head hung down, head low. It's like, oh man, I'm just, I'm failed miserably. That's one way to look at an evaluation or a review. An exam is for the purpose of showing you where you're at so that you can then learn from it and move forward. That is a great student. That is a great disciple. Someone who is able to see it and say, all right, I got this. Jesus, through you, we got this. Amen. Amen. Lord, we, we receive your evaluation. We say yes to every direction that you've given us. Reignite in us. On a daily basis, the call that you have on us individually, as families, and as a community. Reignite in us the call that you have on each of us and our families and our corporate family together. I'm so grateful, Lord, that You're not uptight with us. You're not uptight with us at all. Thank You, Lord. Amen. That means so be it. So go out and do it. Be it. Well, we're uh, we're heading. I'm heading back down.